Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to LBC 97.3, coming to you live from Leicester Square. It's the early breakfast show with Steve Allen. Nice to have Christo back with us in sort of one piece. He's been uh, sunning himself in Greece, which is very nice indeed. When I say in Greece, that's not sort of like Mazzola or something like that. That is, in fact, the, the place. And he's very kindly brought back chocolate, which nobody's touching. And uh, it's all sitting upstairs. Anyway, uh, well, today is D-Day. Today is Dale Farm Day. And the reason I say that is because today is the day the council go in with riot police and everybody else, and uh, they're going to evict the travellers who are there illegally and have been there illegally uh, for ten years. It does seem a little bit of a waste of time, really, when you think somebody's been living there for ten years, and only now have they gotten around to doing something. So, consequently, it will kick off later on. I think, and I'm only taking a a guess at this one, I think they're going to go in earlier. I don't think they're going to want the media around to see this, and I think what they're going to do is probably go in starting at about six o'clock this morning, so that by the time the media wake up, uh, it it will all have been sort of uh, pushed to one side. I've just got a feeling... I could be totally wrong, could be totally wrong, but I've just got a feeling about it. So we'll, we'll follow that one very carefully this morning. And uh, if, you're, if you're down there and you're in that neck of the woods, do let us know, because you can be our, our eyes and ears this morning on the programme. Uh, plus, we'll be talking about this uh, man, I know that Christo's been talking about it all night, who uh, opens his front door to find two men there, one armed with a knife, and they've quite clearly come to rob him. Uh, a struggle ensues. Uh, in a very wealthy part of the country, uh, very nice uh, houses. In fact, as neighbours will tell you up there, this is a this is an untouched area. This is, you don't see police up there. You don't see anything at all because it's uh, it's just very very nice. And um, in the ensuing struggle, one of the uh, alleged burglars, or a person who, if you stand at, uh, open your door and there's somebody standing there with a knife, I think you've got a rough idea what they're going to come and do. They're not exactly coming to mow your lawn, are they? And um, he, f- he fell on his own knife, and as a result, he died. And uh, then it's got pictures of this, uh, this man who died, Raymond Jacob, and then it's got pictures of his family who came to lay flowers. I have to be honest, it doesn't make a pretty picture, whichever way you look at it, and judging by what you've been saying this morning, uh, you would have done the same thing. Uh, now, I've listened to various people talking to Christo this morning and saying about, you know, one man saying he actually kept something under the bed... And I'm thinking, blimey, um, it's, you're not, in theory, supposed to do anything. We heard from one guy with Christo as well, who had, in fact, defended himself, and he was the one who ended up being taken to court, which happens in a lot of cases. Because even though it's on your property, if somebody attacks you and you attack them and they come off worse, they're going to take you to court. Don't ask me why, because I always thought an Englishman's home was his castle, but it turns out not to be, and people get prosecuted. One man, I think, when he was talking to Christo, said he'd been fined £16,000, but he said he'd do it again. He said he would absolutely do it again. And we'd all do it. You'd all protect your property. Unless, of course, you thought there was going to be a danger to your life. I always think if somebody turns up at your doorstep and you open the door and they've got a knife, the first thing I'd do is slam the door shut again. That'd be the first thing I'd do. And then get, you can do what you want from now. I'd be calling the 999 to see how long it would take the police to get there. I'd, I certainly wouldn't be uh, doing anything else. Unless we don't know we weren't there. But either way, uh, one man is dead. Oh, would we? So uh, there's that one to talk about this morning. Plus, uh, the good news is house prices are rising. Thank the Lord for that one. And uh, Downton Abbey is back. So uh, if you're as happy as I am that Downton Abbey is back, do let me know. Although the reviews have been a little bit mixed. A little bit mixed on it. Uh, Mary Archer, running the other day. She's had major cancer surgery, but she was out running. She did a marathon. I don't know how people have got the strength to do marathons. 
I really don't. I'm, I'm always in envy of anybody who can get out there and pound the streets. But the one thing I'm not keen on at the moment is cyclists. Every weekend we seem to have, do we not, more road closures because we've got more cyclists. Go- Why can't they go somewhere else? Why can't they go cycle around a playground or something? Why do they have to cycle through London on a Sunday when, you know, we're all looking for a nice peaceful... I want to see thousands of cyclists who, who don't really obey the uh, highway code. Many of them just jump traffic lights. They don't... Uh, they, they all wear the, the, the go-faster stripes and the clothing and the hats and all that. It's quite sweet. But frankly, I'm sick to death of them taking over. The, they don't even contribute to the roads. It's us poor motorists, as usual who contribute to the roads. Unless you've got thought on that one. 84850, uh, A lot of people heard the interview I did yesterday with Jermaine Jackson. Uh, it was a good interview, even by, uh, even by my reckoning. I thought it was a good interview. He was, he was very forthcoming. And uh, there's been lots of talk about Michael over the years. The book which Jermaine has written, from a brother's perspective, talks about everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. They don't skirt over anything. Michael, you know, would probably be quite pleased that people were able to talk about it because Michael was the child, as they say, trapped in the man's body. He was, he was a little boy who didn't want to grow up. And to be quite honest with you, who the hell would want to nowadays? And you've got to look through the blooming papers to realise that we're a country full of desperate wannabes who turn up on blooming TV shows uh, or people who sleep with footballers. And that seems about the extent of it. Small wonder Michael Jackson quite enjoyed living and uh, seeing life through a child's eyes. Neverland. Uh, pictures you've never seen before in the book. There's all sorts of personal pictures. But they talk about everything, apart from the funeral and the, f- the first that they heard of it. He talks about um, Michael and the sex allegations. He talks about Geordie Chandler and why Michael handed over £15 million to him. They talk about everything in this book. There is nothing that they've left un- unturned. So it's, it's, And it's a big, thick book. I thought it would have been one of those books where, you know, it's sort of big writing and they just sort of rehash everything, but it's not. It's not like that at all. Um, Daily Star today is still... Apparently Big Brother is still running. I've no idea who's watching this drivel. But Big Brother Babe, Louise Cliff, or Cliffy, uh, and another housemate have been hiding sex secrets. Apparently they've both got long-term partners who'll be shocked by their telly antics. Shouldn't think so. Everybody knows what she is. She's a desperate wannabe. She glamour model. You know, glamour models are generally not the lowest rung of the ladder, I'm afraid. Because if you can't do anything else, you're not really pretty enough, take your clothes off. And that's what, that's what generally happens. And so glamour models... It isn't the same as exotic models. You know, you, they, they used to be a pecking order. I mean, something like poor old Louise Cliff couldn't be a, you know, a catwalk model if her life depended on it. Because she's not that sort of person. She doesn't have the sort of face. She's a bit over-made-up Barbie doll look. It's, it's the porno look. And the porno look only appeals to people, you know, who would read the Daily Star or they, they're going to be a glamour model. Because if you look at most of them, you know, and you take away the, the airbrushing and all the rest of it, you're left with something quite plain and very boring. And, uh, and this is the best that she can get. She behaves badly on television, pretends she wants to have affairs with everybody because it's her only way of getting noticed. Luckily, though, <laughs> the good news is that um, she's... Um, she was bullied at school. Now, I say the good thing is because you've got to have a story nowadays. There is no point in turning up on a TV programme unless you've got a clothes peg and a, and a hook and something to hang on it. And it's generally bullied or you were spotty or you were the ugly duckling or you were something. And so that then sells, sells your story. Because if you're just a normal person from a normal background who went to a normal school, did normal things and go on two holidays a year with your parents, nobody's interested. They're only interested if you've been bullied at school and you've made it through all of that. Truth of the matter is, these people are hard as nuts. They really are. Absolutely. Uh, all the papers are full of um, 
the Gypsy Army digging in. It's not just the Gypsy Army. You've got all the tree huggers who are out there now. They were turning up in their droves yesterday. Dro- I've never seen so many, uh, in inverted commas, anarchists, or as I, I tend to call them, time wasters. People who latch on to anybody. Put it this way, if, the, if these travellers had been digging up trees and everything else, uh, they wouldn't have been interested. If we'd been doing it, they'd have been down there like a shot. But because they sort of think that they're a, a persecuted bunch, uh, down they go, I'm afraid. And so there's now loads of people down there. I mean loads of people down there who shouldn't be there, but who are going to get involved with this kind of thing. And so they've got stones and rocks, which have been stockpiled for weeks. Uh, they've got car tyres covered with barbed wire. This is for a peaceful person. You know, I mean, the whole thing, and they've got petrol cans, they've got everything. They put up signs saying, stop this racist eviction, which it isn't. It makes no difference. As I've said a million times before, who's down there? It could be Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs who've built this... Uh, place. If it's illegal, it's illegal. I couldn't care less who it is. All these wailing women on the television going, you know, where are we going to go now? Go where you usually go. Go somewhere else. You know, you're called travellers. Go travel. But I'm looking at the pictures here, and I think it will be interesting. There are signs that have gone up saying, we'll fight you and your ideals until your monuments are dust. You know, they've obviously been reading sort of little books, and then they sort of write things up there. But it's the anarchists who get their little fizzogs on the television, and you look at them and you think, do you know, why don't you just go out there and do something useful? You know, they're, they're, they're so anti-society, they'll, they'll be taking all the backhanders that they can possibly get. So I'm sure you've got a thought on that. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Probably got a thought as well on defending your own property. Because, it, you know, you begin to wonder what you're able to do now. So in, in other words, if I'm at home later on today or Madam's at home later on today, and she confronts somebody on the doorstep, and she then sort of protects her, her property, the chances are the other person is going to be getting them arrested, which is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. But they've got a picture of two members of the uh, family of this burglar. It'll be interesting to find out if he's got form. Because I don't think you just turn up at somebody's house and think, let's go and rob that house there. I don't think it works like that. I think you already case the joint and you have a look round and you and you see if it if it's worth robbing. If it's a quiet neighbourhood, you turn up. The one of the other robbers fled, and they've got two women sobbing. And you think, did you know what they were doing? Do you know that they were out on the rob? That's that's the problem with this nowadays. You know, we're we're too busy looking after the mamby pamby poor little criminals and not worrying about the bloke who might have been beaten to death by these two people and knifed. Because if somebody takes a knife and goes for a burglary, they're not just going to be waving it at you, are they? But you can't afford to take that risk. Talking of taking a risk, poor old, um, poor old Mark Wright, who's still dead. He's from The Only Way is Essex. This is a man whose ego is about matched by his shoe size and his intellect. He thinks that he could go into EastEnders as a hard man. He says, I have spoken with one of the producers of EastEnders. I want to play a hard man role, but to be honest, I reckon I could pull anything off. Mark, you, you've, had your, you've had your five minutes, love. I think it's, it's about time you went back and played with your train set, because it's not going anywhere, is it? Quarter past five. <laughs> These are the headlines. The multi-million pound police operation to clear travellers from the country's largest illegal site near Basildon in Essex begins later. After a ten-year legal battle, people living there say they'll resist without force. The council's offered to rehouse everyone. A man's still being questioned on the suspicion of stabbing a burglar to death who was reportedly breaking into his own home. It happened in Stockport on Saturday night when two men allegedly forced their way into Vincent Cook's house. And all families with children under five could be offered free parenting classes. The pilot scheme's been announced by the Lib Dems, who reckon it'll help mums and dads under pressure and will be life-changing. Here she is, life-changing travel, Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning in East Ham. An axe. Fundraising will never be the same again. Steve Allen. 
19 minutes past five is the time. Steve Allen's early breakfast. So here is poor, deluded little Mark Wright. It's very sweet to get in the papers, Mark, as you dress up as yet another nincompoop and turn up another fancy dress. Nice to see uh, the Arge as well, wearing a fat suit, because that's just about all you can put him in. But uh, you've had your five minutes, okay? Actually, there's a very interesting piece today. I have to mention it, only because it it made me laugh slightly. Because I I know what a a so-and-so she can be, Janet Street Porter. Uh, Janet Street Porter, in her uh, in her column today, talks about going to uh, a bash. It's a showbiz bash, and she's at the table with Amy Childs, and uh, so she's sitting there. Amy Childs says not one word to Janet Street Porter. Now I'm assuming, unless Amy Childs is particularly stupid, she must know who who Janet Street Porter is. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't not know who she is. She's on the television all the time. Amy's just sort of nobody, and so she's sitting there. And she said she's got this makeup troweled on. She said, and of course, Amy Charles is not very tall. She's quite, she's quite tiny. They just try, try and make her look big. And so she sits there. She said she had no eyes for anybody else, but she was draping herself over Peter Andre, who, good boy, was trying to eat his food. Well, of course, you know why? Because they're both with the same agent. They're both with Claire. So there's no point in Amy Childs, who couldn't hold a conversation with a dead chipmunk, to be honest with you. And so she has to drape herself over Peter. And she, and she, Janet Streetport said she was wiping her nails down his jacket because she couldn't get to any flesh. And uh, so all she did was just sort of just kind of mess his jacket up a little bit. But obviously hoping that we're, we're actually going to believe that they're an item. Whereas, of course, we don't believe anything at all to do with Peter Andre and poor little Amy Charles. But it's, it's a fun thing, and it was interesting to hear it from the other side when Janet Street Porter said she totally ignored her. I thought, well, she's probably delusional. She thinks that she's, uh, she's got a career, whereas she hasn't, because she proved in the Big Brother house that the British public don't, don't like her. Mind you, the other thing... I mean, you know, call me old-fashioned if you like, but um, who's number one in the charts? One Direction. Can they sing? No, they can't. But uh, they've got an album out and they've done very well. So they're number one in the chart. Amy Winehouse, uh, her her single, which is the one that was recorded with um, Tony Bennett, that entered the charts as well. At, come on, at number, not number two, no. Sadly, obviously the public have lost interest in Amy Winehouse. Number 40. Number 40 that came in the chart. Now, I think that's low. I mean, that's, that, that's the, the top 20 and then some. I think that's low, and I think that's an indication. I think after she died, people bought the albums. I don't think they're, they're going to bother now. I don't think they're going to bother. Much as though we adore Tony Bennett, if, if the single only entered the charts at number 40, that's what I would call a flop. You know, whichever way you look at it, they, they don't come in much lower than that. When you've got One Direction, admittedly, they've got tons and tons of publicity. But uh, she comes in at number 40... And One Direction coming at number one. Because they got so many pre-orders, I think. And it was the pre-orders that, that pushed the record to the top of the charts. Can they sing it live? Shouldn't think so. Oh, there's another rollover on Wednesday. Ten million. Apparently nobody won on Saturday night. We're not getting very good at picking these numbers on the lottery. Have you noticed this? We're getting worse and worse. Years ago, when the lottery started, it was, it was ten million pounds on a, on a Saturday. And if it rolled over, it was twenty million. Now it rolls over and it's ten million. Because there's so few people playing it now. And and so you've got you've got sort of little bits of money. Mind you, I wouldn't complain. I would not complain at all about uh, about ten million pounds. I think you can um, can do very well. Uh, here we go. The finalists of Britain's Next Top Model. Anybody watching it? I didn't think so. Oh, you're watching something. Are you okay? But anyway, they, they they've come out fighting to prove school bullies and their critics wrong. 
Because apparently, luckily, as I say, they were all bullied. And one, one says here, Imogen, 19, uh, says, I was called a no-hoper with hands like a man. That was bullying, was it, love? You want to come to my school? Grow up, get over yourself. It's a stupid... God, that's what kids say to each other. Hello, specky four eyes. You know, they all do that. Oh, look, got no bottom, have you? You got the... You know, and I was called a no-hoper with hands like a man. Well, you probably are a no-hoper with hands like a man, but, I mean, why should that detract from anything? That's not bullying, dear. Bullying is permanently picking on you on the way home. You go, oh, look at that one there, skinny, horrible, you know, cheat or whatever it happens to be. Not a no-hoper with hands like a man. That's not bullying, love. That really isn't. Uh, oh, China's got um, talent. China's got talent. So they're doing it all around the world. China, I'd like to see that one. I'd like to see their version. Uh, bosses are going to be holding auditions in Britain. They obviously can't find anybody in China who's prepared to give up their lucrative uh, work to actually go on it. So they've got um, auditions in London, Manchester, Liverpool, Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, you must have a connection to China through language or family. So it's a bit vague. In other words, they're that desperate, they'll just about take it. I'm sorry, have you, have, uh, have you ever eaten in a Chinese restaurant? OK, you'll do. You're through. <laughs> so you'll end up with all sorts of people. The best acts will then jet to Shanghai for live shows. Of course, if you don't speak Chinese, you're going to be a bit out on a limb on that one because it's a programme made in China. Lots of people responding to the, uh, the Jermaine Jackson interview yesterday. Lots and lots of... Oh, and I, I entered... We had in uh, Twickenham the other day, we had the River, Riverside Regatta, and, and I bought some tickets for it. And I was joking with Hilary and Alec from the Barmy over, you know, winning a prize. And I was running through the prizes. One of them, I think, was £40 worth of um, meat vouchers from our new farm shop. I've, I've quite fancied that idea, put something in the freezer for Christmas. And, uh, and, and then there were various other prizes, and then there was chocolate, and I went... Um, I said to, uh, to Hillary, I said, well, not much use to me being a diabetic, and I'm not really big into chocolate. She sent me a text yesterday. She said, guess who won the, uh, the chocolate in the raffle? You! <laughs> she said, how useful for a diabetic. I should be donating that to somebody else, I can tell you, because I'm not really a big, big, big chocky eater at all. Um, the Day of Reckoning... Has come for the residents of Dale Farm. Eight o'clock this morning, the council are moving into a victim. Nick Ferrari will bring you live updates from Essex and will be speaking to one of the residents about the atmosphere within the site. That should be interesting. It kicks off at eight. Uh, plus, Nick will bring you the latest from the, uh, the Lib Dem conference and we'll be speaking to Vince Cable ahead of his keynote speech later on today. And as another intruder's killed, Nick will be looking again at the meaning of reasonable force when it comes to defending your home. All of that and more. With Nick Ferrari. Plus that, that strange story that um, we're, we're going to be giving uh, prisoners telephones in their cells. Because apparently it's a bit of an infringement of their human rights to actually make them stand on the landing with everybody else. So they've decided that if they put um, things in their, uh, in, in their cells, they can make private phone calls. Because apparently lots of phones get smuggled into prison, which is interesting. Paul Cooper... He's off out and about this morning. He'll be up at market. He says, can you wish Anne Hope a big happy birthday from her son, Mickey? Shall I do it now and do it later as well, just in case she's not up? Just in case Anne Hope is still fast asleep in bed from Mickey. So there you go. So many happy returns of the day. Thank you, Paul. Come and see you later. I've got, uh, I've got to talk to a few people today. We've got to record some in-conversations and I've got to get back. I keep trying to avoid my neighbour, Lynn, because we've got so much to deal with. You know, having bits of work done and everything else. And I keep missing her. And yesterday, I went out for lunch with Barbara Windsor and Scott and Jonathan Levi. And we went to the Ivy. And I had... Oh, it was lovely. It was roast beef uh, with the best roast potatoes I've ever had in a restaurant. Because they, they were actually crispy. 
and you very rarely get good roast potatoes. You know when you go out for a, a Sunday roast, and it doesn't matter whether it's chicken or whatever it happens to be, the roast potatoes are generally a bit weak and feeble. These were crispy, and there were only three of them, but I promise you, I mean, I would have eaten eight, but three, three was good, the gravy was lovely, and the, um, and the Yorkshire pudding was delicious. <laughs> so I had a starter as well. I mean, I came out of there like a barrage balloon. We went in at one, we came out at 20 to four, I mean, I came out... When we went in there, there was nobody on the streets. When we came out, the world had descended onto the streets. It was, it was very good, though. We, uh, we chatted about loads of things. Barbara's got holidays booked and things like that, and uh, both doing very well. Scott looked very well. Jonathan Levi looked very well indeed. Could have ironed his T-shirt, but I don't want to make a big deal about that, you know, because I'd put a shirt on, you know, just to make the effort. But it was lovely. It was really... Re- nice way to spend an afternoon. And then to go back home and just put, put your feet up on the settee... And just, and just have a little sleep, was really absolutely fantastic. Uh, 84850, uk. So I'm sure you've got uh, thoughts on some of the stories in the, uh, in the papers today. Uh, another one here. This has come in from... Uh, who's this one in from? From Kevin. He says, unfortunately, laws in the UK and here in America too often protect criminals. The King of the Castle doctrine should apply in any case where a burglar enters a home. And the families of said criminals must never be able to sue at all, period. Yes, I mean, they've got looks like members of this particular man's family out there. I mean, as I say, you don't just decide, do you? I mean, you know, in in any situation, somebody who goes robbing or whatever they could, on a burglary or something like that, you don't just sort of say, I think we're going burgling today. You know, you, you, you have to plan it. It's like, you know, I'm not going to go burglar. She's, well, she might have. She could be a cat burglar. You know, you could, sort of, you could sort of push her into sort of little windows and things like that. Open the front door. Like they did in Oliver. Open the window. You know, so you open the window and then they can sort of get in there. And, but but it's, it's pre And you tend to find that most people, they're not doing it on a one-off. There's generally a bit of a history with people. So that's why I'll be, I'll be curious to see where, where the papers take this. Because the, uh, the mail are literally you know, sort of talking about the fact that this man was trying to defend his family. His wife and child were coming back very shortly. Imagine if he'd been held hostage and then something would have happened. I mean, you, you, you could be looking at a murder, but because the person who perpetrated the crime gets, uh, gets killed and lies dying when his wife comes back and they, they call the police, you know, all of a sudden this man has been arrested because they, they're going to have to find out. We've had people released from prison before, but it never looks too good, does it? And uh, the, the gender-free British passport, they're bringing out a passport now uh, which does not have your sex on it so as to spare the feelings of transgender people. How many are travelling? Does it make any difference what you look at somebody who's sort of wearing... I mean, yes, strange enough, yesterday I get the train back from Waterloo and I'm sitting on the Reading train and it's packed. It is packed beyond belief. And unfortunately, because of um, work on the railway... This one doesn't do Richmond and Twickenham. It goes to Hounslow, and then there's a bus service. And as we're standing waiting for the bus to go, in front of me is a very tall woman, but I know it's a man dressed up as a woman uh, because he's standing there, and he just, he just doesn't stand like a woman. And I'm thinking, perhaps it's for him. Perhaps he doesn't want people to know that he's a man. Who knows? I am. It's LBC 97.3, and it's 5.30. From the LBC 97.3 News Centre, I'm Rupert Bhatia. Bailiffs will begin clearing the country's largest illegal traveller site later, under the supervision of police. It's after ten years of legal wrangling between the residents of Dale Farm and Basel... Have your say with Steve Allen.
Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six is the time. Thank you to all the uh, the fans of, uh, of Michael Jackson who sent me emails and texts and everything else. And uh, I thought it was a good interview. I really did, with, with Jermaine Jackson. You can podcast it. It should be up there. And uh, you can have a look for that on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Uh, inside Horror in Suburbia. And uh, the, the intruder who died at the scene. I mean, to be honest with you, I th- I'm kind of of the opinion... Which is, which is going to be terribly popular with you, I can tell, apart from maybe one or two people. But if somebody, you know, if you're at home, you imagine, put yourself in that situation. You're at home maybe with an elderly mother. They had a thing a short while ago, and I, I only repeat it because it, it, it had tragedy in so many cases. And it was in America, and it was one of these crime programmes, and it was where a policeman had gone round to his, his, his sister had phoned and said, listen, I can't get hold of mum and dad. So he'd gone round to the house... The door was slightly open at the front. Anyway, he'd, he'd gone in, and his father was dead on the floor. Next to him was a claw hammer. His mother was in the kitchen. Uh, again, she'd been attacked. And to cut a long story short, it turned out that the intruder had, had looked at their house. He'd cut the phone lines outside, and he'd waited all night in the garage because they'd picked up their paper in the morning and the milk. And obviously, the, he'd then confronted them and wanted the contents of, uh, of their, their safe. They didn't have a safe, but what they had hidden in the house was, I think, $12,000 in books. In each book in their library, they'd put $100 bills in between the pages, and he didn't find it. So, and then they went back, and then, literally a few weeks later, another case emerged of an elderly person, a woman who'd been taken outside a house and beaten to death. And eventually, they, they found this man, because he hadn't left any DNA, he'd left nothing. But they managed to build up a profile, and in one of the houses, the couple had escaped alive. And they'd actually, so they were able to give a description of the person. And it was that that convicted him, and he was convicted, I think, of ten life sentences, no chance. It, it would have been the death penalty, but that was commuted to another life sentence, so there was no chance. But a lot of people had lost their lives, and that had a, that had a good end result. In this, in this horror in suburbia, and we've seen it on so many occasions before, if you're there, just imagine you have an elderly mother or an elderly father, and, uh, and the door opens and there's somebody standing there with a knife. Now, either you're not going to do anything if you're elderly and frail, or if you're young enough to be able to do something, then you're, you're going to try and do something. However, if they come off worse than you do... They take you to court. I don't quite understand how that works in this country, but that's what happens. So the, the old adage, an Englishman's home in his castle, is his castle, is absolutely not true. You kind of don't have any rights at all because they sue you. In this particular case, this man died at the scene. But you can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be more of this that, that, that is going to come out, and they're going to have to start looking at the way that people can defend their houses. If, if, if as uh, Christo discovered from a lot of his callers this morning, there are going to be people who, who arm themselves, people have got, you know, things under the beds, and people have got, oh, I've got nothing at home. I just have to pick up the shower curtain and throw it over them or something like that. I don't know. I, I was the subject of an armed robbery some years ago. Uh, not at my place. I was living in, 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 uh, in Ealing. A friend of mine had a, had a pub up there, and there was a disco underneath. And we, we came up... I'd, I'd been ill... So I wasn't working that night. I was sort of lying in bed, and uh, Dave, the manager, had uh, sort of come upstairs. We're just sort of, you know, after the end of the night, it was about one o'clock in the morning. You know, is there anything you want? When my bedroom door was pushed open, there's two men there, one with a sawn-off shotgun, one with a machete, and both with balaclavas on. Now, I have to be honest, when you first see it, you kind of laugh, because we thought it was a friend who'd come back and were just trying to frighten us. But it turned out they'd been waiting in the bathroom at the end of the corridor for most of the night. 
and uh, all they wanted was the keys to the safe. Well, I'm ill in bed. I mean, and he said, out of bed. I said, I've got nothing on. I've got, I'm not getting out of bed. I've got nothing on. And in the end, I had to get out of bed with sort of the duvet on and stand against the wall. I mean, it was all, it was all a bit... It happens in a blur, and they go downstairs, and most people who've got money on the premises, the, the thing is, just give it to them, because better, better they have the money and they disappear than you start tangling with people. So, you know, in the end, they took him downstairs, they opened the safe, they took the, the night's takings, whatever it happened to be, and they disappeared off down the back, and that was the last we ever heard of them. And then the police came round, and, of course, you're there most of the night while they're fingerprinting. What did they look like? I don't know, they've got balaclavas on, I don't know. No idea. Where did I go the other day? I went to some shop the other day and they, they were selling balaclavas. I thought, who wears balaclavas apart from robbers? Does anybody else wear them? You know, people who go to the South Pole. Yeah, but I don't know anybody who goes to the South Pole and the North Pole. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a dilemma, isn't it? It really is a dilemma. And do you know, and do you believe, we were talking the other day about uh, internet trolls, like that disgusting Sean Duffy the man who sent disgusting things to people who'd lost their children. Do you know that somebody's been selling, uh, sending stuff on the internet to the families of the dead miners? You know, saying, I'm glad they died. I'm glad they died. I'm glad they're not with us anymore. And this kind of stuff. These people are so stupid. They're going to be found and they're going to be dragged into court and, and they're going to be dealt with very severely. We finally managed to get Sean Duffy. Unfortunately, he only got something like 18 weeks in prison. But don't worry, he'll be out. He'll be out. And he's very identifiable. He comes from Reading. He posted vile messages taunting families of four dead teenagers. You're coming out in 18 weeks, Mr Duffy. I hope you're aware of that fact. And everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows where you live. Just disgusting. Really disgusting. Oh, God. Aren't you talking of uh, things which kind of get my blood? Um, you do wish that Sarah Harding would disappear off abroad and blooming well stay there. Luckily now, she's... Uh, she's um, She's glammed herself up. She's got stunning new red hair. Unfortunately, she's getting a bit long in the tooth for doing this, you know, poor little me kind of routine. And uh, waving her bare hand in front of me, she grinned. The finger says it all. Yes, dear, it really does, because we, we've seen so much of your acting c- career, which, I mean, frankly, why you've never got an Oscar or a BAFTA, at the very least, is totally beyond us. You know about Sarah Harding, don't we? But um, here she is, all glammed up again. I mean, do you not think, Poppet, you should get a proper job? I mean, it's no good waiting for the reunion of Girls Aloud. You'll wait till hell freezes over for that one, even though apparently they're all talking to each other, which is good news, because they weren't before. And um, that is the scintillating conversation, actually. And so what should we talk about, Sarah? The fact that you've had no success at all, uh, or the fact that Cheryl Cole's not working? Is anybody working in Girls Aloud? I don't think so. I mean, I mean... She's in the army. Cheryl has, in fact, joined up, and, uh, way well, yeah. And here she is again. And somebody wrote a letter to one of the papers. It had to be the Mirror, because the Mirror sent her out there. And it's very funny, because I always love reading the letters that people send in, because you're never too sure if they actually make them up in the office, just to sort of keep the interest going. Because, as you know, the Mirror flew uh, her out uh, to Afghanistan, and she was very popular with 8,500 of the troops. The rest of them just wanted to get over it. But uh, luckily, a letter came in from Albert Shaw from Gateshead, Tainan Weir. And Albert, you can imagine he's over 90, can't you? He says, I'm sure Cheryl Cole's surprise visit to the front line in Afghanistan cheered up our brave troops no end. Well done to the lovely Miss Cole for risking her life to boost morale. She truly is the new forces sweetheart. Why, aye, Albert, she is that man. She... She's risking her life. She didn't risk anything at all, Popsikins. But, uh, you know, put it this way, if the Prime Minister goes out there, love, and they can send Cheryl Cole out with a film crew, it ain't that scary where she's going. They're not going to put her on the front line and go, Taliban, she's here! 
You know, they're not going to do that, are they? They're just going to put her in, you know, we can have nice little pictures of her sort of watering dogs and shaking hands with the troops, and they're going to be going, why, well, yeah, Ashley's a lucky man. <laughs> but that's all she does. She's not the new forces sweetheart at all. Claire, sweet, Claire, uh, what's it, did it years ago. Catherine Jenkins has done it. Didn't see any pictures of that, did you? No, because the mirror were behind um, Cheryl Cole. Very dreary, I'm afraid. Uh, the Express are trying to make up some story about Zara Phillips riding out the storm over uh, her husband, Mr Tyndall's bar blonde. It's nothing, I'm afraid. It's absolutely nothing. So they've actually got somebody at one of the, the, the rugby matches holding a sign up saying, the Queen is going to kick your ass, Mr Tyndall. What buffoon writes a sign like that and goes to see the rugby? I mean, how stupid is this person? Unless it's from the paper. They go, listen, can you, can you just write this? We'll give you this sign. Can you just hold it up? Because otherwise there's no story. Why don't they mind their own business? It's got absolutely nothing to do. Somebody called Cyril Dixon wrote it. I mean, the Queen is going to kick your ass, Mr Tyndall. They're so stupid, aren't they, some people? They go and hold up their little banners. I don't know. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, another one. It smelled very nice this morning. What is it? What is it? I wear every day. Oh, is it? Oh, what is it? Clarins. Cla- oh, is that Clarins? Yeah. There's a whole bag of Clarins upstairs on one of the... Uh, I know, I've spotted Have, have you I spotted it? <laughs> I bought some Clarins the other week. Did you? It's only just a, a like a moisturiser type thing. Oh, the products are great. It's nicer, isn't it? It's not very expensive. Oh, just... Uh, one of your own, oh, right. Oh, God, down on that one again. Uh, 84850, Matt in Kent. Says your monologues are fantastic and very entertaining. You make me laugh, and I agree with almost everything you say. Almost everything. So I don't. I don't want people to agree hundred percent. Although this morning, I mean, you would have to. Uh, Petra says, "I know where Basil and Council is going to house all the travellers. My friend is being made homeless at the end of the month, and this council says they can't house them as they've got no properties, and they'll have to go on the waiting list. And they work and pay their way." Yes, well, I mean, this, do you know, this is just an embarrassment for Basil and Council. From it's been going on for ten years. It's not like it's only yesterday. It's ten years. And he said, I still maintain they're called travellers. Go travel. Go tra-. People are going, where are we going to go? Where are we go-? Well, use your common sense. Use your brain. What little brain pa- capacity most of them seem to have. Ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. You know, go somewhere else. This first bit of the site is legal. This bit that you've commandeered over here is not. You know, Dumbo. Get your brain in gear, for goodness sake. In the 60s, says Steve, everybody had a balaclava. We used to wear them to school. Do you know, actually, we did. I never had one because it messed my hair up. But, because uh, <laughs> you take it off, and it's okay for like, if it's Stig of the Dump or somebody like that. But you're right, little kids would stand at the bus stop just with their eyes and mouth showing, and they'd wear their little balaclavas. Not for me, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Marion Ballam says, that robbery story just told us very, very funny. It must have been terrifying for you and your friend, but what a laugh. Yes, hilarious. I did make it sound quite funny. I mean, looking back on it, it was... it was bizarre, Because if you think it's somebody else and then you discover it's not, I was more worried about getting out of bed with nothing on. That's the kind of thing that worries me. We don't be, we don't be doing anything like that now. There's um, 24,000 drivers caught by a speed camera. Because you know the speed camera's everywhere at the moment. I cannot move for speed cameras. In fact, I have to move, but I'm doing it very slowly. And they've now been refunded, 24,000 drivers. This illegal speed camera... Uh, was was wrong. It 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 couldn't enforce a thirty mile an hour restriction, so everybody got tickets, and and so they've had to pay people back, people who paid their fines. Because you know you stand in court, and I remember when they had the speed guns, and uh, they they were proving how ineffectual they were, and in fact one of them they they brought the speed gun into court and they aimed it at the judge, and they went, uh, Your Honour, you're doing thirty four miles an hour. 
And, um, and so they then threw, threw the case out, which is very interesting. I have been caught by speed cam. Most of us have been caught by speed cameras. Uh, we've all been caught by the bug that is Mickey Rooney. And to be honest with you, I was a big fan of Mickey Rooney. I know he can be the biggest pain under the sun. He's known for it. But he's 90. Uh, he's battled drugs. He's battled gambling. He's battled divorce. And now he's battling his own son. He's taking him to court in America, accusing him of stealing his money. Millions of dollars. Mickey Rooney appeared on Through the Keyhole about two years ago. Uh, the British version, but they filmed him in America. And I knew it was Mickey Rooney's little house. A little tiny house. This is a man who was a big, big, big film star. He was huge. You know, he has to work now uh, because he needs the money. And he's saying that his, uh, his stepson, Christopher Aber is accused of embezzling his money, millions of dollars, spending it like it was his. And to be honest with you, I think if you get somebody of the statue of Mickey Rooney, um, as I say, he could be really unpleasant. You know, he wasn't the nicest person all the time. It doesn't matter. He's one of the surviving big stars of Hollywood. Must be a bit of a disappointment for him to realise that a stepson who he lavished love and care on has taken and cheated him out of his money. And I think the sooner it gets to court, the better... And the sooner this man gets his money back and some dignity... He's over 90, for goodness sake. He, he deserves... He's earned the right to live and have a happy life without worrying about things like this. Quarter to six. These are the headlines this morning. Bailiffs will begin clearing the country's largest illegal traveller site later under the supervision of police. It's after ten years of legal wrangling between the residents of Dale Farm and Basildon Council. Firms are to be forced to explain why they paid huge bonuses to top executives. The business secretary wants companies to clearly set out the criteria used to determine pay and perks. And Royal Mail is going to recruit 18,000 temporary workers over Christmas to help handle the two billion items that go through the postal system. The jobs will be based in mail and distribution centres across the UK, with staff helping to sort cards and parcels. Check on the roads for you this morning. Let's get you there with a smile on your face with a bit of luck. Louise. Thank you, Steve. Well, not looking too bad, so I'm pleased to say some good news. Although in East Ham, High Street North is closed in both directions, just near East Ham Tube Station. There was an accident around 2 o'clock this morning. Eight bus routes are on diversion at the moment. In the city, we've still got these roadworks on Queen Victoria Street. It's still shut from Queen Street up to Mansion House. And on the Catford One Way system... Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to 6 is the time. Early breakfast on uh, LBC. Television should give more airtime to mature women. The former Tory party chairman, Chris Patton, has praised successful presenters Sarah Montague, I've never heard of, and Fiona Bruce, and said we should have more... Fiona Bruce? After the disastrous interview with uh, with the Duke of Edinburgh and a very lame programme on the Queen's Royal Palaces, which I think was filmed way before, because, frankly, Prince Philip wouldn't have had her back in the house again. Uh, Martha Carney, different, but uh, he said yesterday, I'm married to a charming and beautiful 66-year-old and I'd be delighted if she was the face of anything on television. Oh, he's trying to get work for the missus. Oh, that's all it is, isn't it? You remember that Miriam O'Reilly won damages after a tribunal agreed that the BBC discriminated against her because of her age. Former newsreader Anna Ford branded David Dimbleby a charming dinosaur when his contract was renewed because they don't put older people on television, but I remember... When somebody else was looking at the BBC, they said there aren't enough ethnic faces. Well, there's loads of ethnic faces on the BBC. Loads. On ITV and everything else. But now they're looking for more mature women. So, 
where are all these mature women? Are they out there somewhere? Because I thought they're just a bit like Sky, just like pretty little flippity things who could read an auto cue from a distance. I thought that's, that's what that was. But I, I thought most of the people seem fairly competent on television, don't they? You know, what, what do they, I don't know what he means as mature. Does he mean 70? He said, he said we should have more women on radio and television. Now, the, the problem, and I'll explain it to him, because quite clearly he hasn't got the faintest idea how it works. Some women's voices on radio, great. They don't work because they're pitched at a different level. It's very difficult for women to make it on radio unless they're just sort of doing serious programmes because the majority of the time people get annoyed with their voice. You've only got to hear Melanie Sykes' voice to realise she screeches. It's a screechy voice and it's too hard and it's, it's just... It's not good enough, I'm afraid. And so you've got to find these people. But you, can't, you can't just sort of start sticking people on the radio and television just to make up the numbers. You have to look at it logically and think, will this person be good? And if, if somebody's not very popular on television, you don't put them on the radio. Because then you're going to lose both ways, aren't you? There's a, I was talking about mums and daughters earlier on, and here's Angela Garvin, who shares a flat with her mum. Angela is 43, her mum, Mary, is 77. It's the perfect living arrangement, just don't mention dating and the decor. Because you remember that uh, Jane MacDonald lived with her mum for years. Years. She'd pop in and out of her mum. I think it's a northern thing. I think it's people up north. Hello, Mum. How are you? And, and they, you pop next door and your mum does your washing and your ironing and stuff like that. Well, I think it is. I mean, I, I'd hate to say it. I mean, it probably exists down here as well. But, uh, but mainly, it's a northern thing. And, and Jane, Jane Mac- people used to laugh. They used to laugh when, when Jane MacDonald used to say, you know, my mum goes with me everywhere. We talk about everything. We do everything. And, uh, and you think, why not? Why not, for goodness sake? You've only got one mum... I do think, though, you can get a bit clingy, can't you, to your mum? And it's, you, need to, you need to sort of break away occasionally. But stay at home by all means if you think your mum can't cope with things. I heard the other day, I can't remember who I heard from, actually, that Frankie Fraser, you know, mad Frankie Fraser, who's friend with the craze and everything else, somebody told me he was in a home because he's, he's quite elderly now. Obviously didn't make much money. None of these people were particularly successful, were they, at making money, but it was a, a different generation. Day of Reckoning has come today, ladies and gentlemen, who've just woken up for the residents of Dale Farm. They'll be waking up right now. Eight o'clock this morning, the council are moving in to evict them. Nick Ferrari will bring you the live updates from Essex. So we're either going to be speaking, listening to a hail of, uh, of missiles raining down on reporters, or you're going to hear explosions or something. I don't, I don't imagine it's going to pass peacefully. I don't think the police think it's going to be peaceful. We will be speaking to one of the residents about the atmosphere within the site. We'll have uh, reporters down there as well. Uh, I'm of the opinion I think it'll happen before eight. I've just got this feeling that, that they're not going to want all the media turning up because they're, they're just going to be a hindrance, aren't they? People with camera crews going, OK, just before you throw that missile, can we just get a photo for the front page of the Telegraph? Thank you. OK, throw it now. I see that's how it's going to be. It's, it's going to be people who aren't involved with the site, but people who've just sort of muscled in on it, who are just sort of turning up to, uh, to disrupt everything, because the moment you mention the fact the police are going to be there, then, of course, you get certain people who want to go down there and, uh, and upset the apple cart. Uh, Hillary, lovely Hillary, and Alec from the Barmy Arms, says, we met a lovely lady by the name of Patricia in the pub today, visiting with her husband. She says they listen to you every day and love the show. She was recently in hospital and really quite poorly, but says that listening to your show was much better for her recovery than any of the antibiotic drips. We told her we'd ask you to mention her. She's from Hampton. So hello, Patricia, and hubby as well. Actually, I get a lot of letters from people who've been in hospital. I don't know why. They sort of say, I listened to you when I was in hospital. Kind of made the recovery a little bit better. You see, I like that idea. I don't want to be a substitute for the NHS, but I don't mind being something that runs 
uh, you know, alongside it. I think that could be quite good. Racing post today. I always get the racing post. I get the racing post every day. There's somebody upstairs. I keep saying to them, I keep getting the racing post. Nick Ferrari gets it too, and they go, it's very popular. And I go, with who? They get people in racing. I said, I've never been racing in my life. Well, apart from the fact we had some LBC evenings some years ago. But uh, the main story is workforce still the one to beat in Ark Moor. Jockey due to see specialist today as he looks forward to big race return. Mean anything to anybody? No, me neither, I'm afraid. Absolutely diddly squat. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall weave uh, everything. Oh, I better tell you what the, uh, the weather's going to be like for today. Just in case you're worrying about it, seeing as it's the beginning of the week and we had a very mixed weekend. Although yesterday I thought it was quite good. I thought there was more rain forecast, but I didn't see it. So if we had it, I either slept through it or it, it lasted while I was inside. Dry for much of the day. Sunny spells through the morning. Clouds will increase during the afternoon, perhaps with some light rain during the evening. The high today, 19 centigrade, which is similar to yesterday. Currently it's 12. Tonight, any spots of rain here and there during the evening will soon die out, remaining cloudy and mild for much of the night, with most places staying dry until morning. Minimum 13 degrees. So tomorrow, cloudy and mild. Rain spreading across from the west where a few heavier pulses are likely. A few heavier pulses. You heard of such a word. And uh, uh, to all but apparently the far southeast throughout the day. Further three-day forecast. Wednesday, rain soon clearing but rather breezy. Thursday, Friday, dry with broken cloud, bright or sunny spells, lighter winds and getting warmer. And Friday, fallen off the end of the screen. So we have no idea what it's going to be like on Friday. We're just sort of... It's just fallen off completely. So so let's say snow, shall we? Snow? Do you fancy snow for Friday? I said that the other day because I, we, I was... I was, I was strange if I told you the other day, I was looking through my phone and I found a picture of when the snow came down last year when the Christmas trees were all on sale and it came down in a blanket. It Literally, one minute we were all thinking and then a few little spots and then pff, we were knee-deep in the stuff. I remember getting the car to come in in the morning and I don't think my driver had ever seen snow before. It was a bit of a, bit of a precarious journey in, you know, as we sort of slid around gracefully on the road coming in. Because at the time I come in, nobody's been on the blasted things. So we are sort of first there on the virgin snow, and we, I could definitely feel the back of the car moving, even with my weight. You know, I thought I'd have evened it up a little bit, you know. But sometimes the heaviest cars are the worst ones, because my car's really bad at going around corners in snow. The back, you know, you'd be sitting there, and it's like a cartoon. Sometimes you see the back seat following you round. You start getting a wee bit panicky, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul says, I'm sorry to say the latest attempted robbery at uh, Bram Hall is the latest in a long line of these. If you recall a few years ago, there was the break-in at the farm in the Midlands, which uh, resulted in the death of Fred Barris, one of the lads who was attempting to rob the property. Uh, Coincidentally, he was from a a travelling family and the farmer was jailed. Then due to public pressure, the sentence... Yes, we, we spoke to the farmer on numerous occasions on LBC. Uh, at the time, the government said they were intent on clarifying the laws, but it hasn't really been tackled to date. Things are not being made any better. As with the cuts, the police patrols are now being reduced, and people are fearful of getting no help if they call, so they take it on themselves to defend what's theirs, and the situation will get worse. And, and I agree with you, because if, and if we have these cuts in the police, and we've all seen it across the country, you don't see police officers walking around now. You really don't. I mean, the only time you ever see them is when they think there's an impending riot. But the rest of the time, we, hit, we see little blue lights and sirens going whizzing up and down all over the place. But you very rarely see police officers walking up and down the, the street. I see them occasionally in the morning around Leicester Square. But, I mean, I can walk here this morning. I won't see any police officers at all. And yet we've got a huge police station. Just uh, probably a huge police station with not many police officers in it. He said, uh, by the way, interesting about the Amy Winehouse single... Could it be that Mitch and the family may have over-egged the pudding? Was the single... I wasn't sure if that... Was the single planned to come out 
before her death, or were they or were they not planning to release it, or did they do it after her death? I can't remember what the situation was with it. It was just going to come out later. So, because it's on the album, isn't it? So I'm assuming that they, they've taken it from the album. And, um, and that's it. But it entered the charts at number 40. Not, uh, not very good at all, I'm afraid. Not very good at all. Uh, one of my friends said they were surprised the track didn't go straight to number one, as Elvis did. The sad truth is, as opposed to the thousands of tracks Elvis put down, there's only two albums and a third, which was only partly finished to work with. But uh, no, no comparison with, uh, with Elvis, I'm afraid. Uh, Doris Day was in as well. Uh, two legends both ended up with nothing. Yes, so Doris Day's, I mean, well, she's, I bought her album now, so hopefully she gets some royalties. I like Doris Day, I like Doris Day. Uh, listen, what we'll do, we'll take a short break for the news at uh, six o'clock. So it's Anne Hope's birthday today. Happy birthday, Anne, from Mickey. That's via Paul Cooper, so I'm assuming there must be a link somewhere between uh, all three of you. More from the papers as well. Your thoughts as well on defending your own home. Uh, more women on the radio? And, uh, and the other story as well, after the, uh, the wealthy boss arrested for killing a suspected burglar at his home. Uh, the other story which I was looking at this morning was... Um, oh, Simon Cowell is planning a funny show to draw TV fans to Theatreland. I don't think we need a funny show, actually, to draw uh, fans to theatre land. They're not doing too badly. Theatre's, theatre's doing OK. And uh, why have loads of uh, people taken their clothes off? It's apparently to prove that um, ageism is rife in TV. Four women showing exactly what they're made of. So uh, Gillian Tailforth, 56, Beverly Callard, 54, Loose Women, Sherry Hewson, 61, and Andrea McLean, 41, for this week's best. Anybody over 35 faces being too old, says Bev. What, do you think 35 is now considered old? God, I mean, I'm suicidal now. For a woman in TV land, but they look okay. They look okay. As if you take your clothes off, perhaps we should do it round here. I could sit with James O'Brien, Nick Ferrari. could do it with James Whale. Julia Hartley Brewer would be fun to do it with, wouldn't she? Here's the news. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. Morning, every Monday morning going to kick off later at Dale Farm. be nice if it didn't. It'd be nice if it was peaceful and people left the site. A number of families have already left, uh, but there's still a number of people down there. And, of course, there's all the, uh, the tree huggers as well who've sort of joined in. And they've, uh, I think they've actually made it worse. But uh, they all look for battles, don't they? It's going to be very difficult, I think, for the, uh, for the bailiffs to go in at the moment. Uh, I should imagine, even as we speak at the moment, they're probably planning on going in a little bit earlier than usual. Because if you leave it a little bit too late, uh, I don't think they're actually going to want the press down there. I've got this feeling, judging by other things that they've done before, the, the idea that you can have the press down there, I think it's just going to confuse matters. Because you can have people milling around all over the place and the police won't know who is, who is supposed to be there. The bailiffs will go in. The police are just there to make sure there is no, no trouble. What we'll do, we'll cross down to some of our friends uh, at, uh, at Essex Radio, hopefully a little bit later on this morning. Uh, it will certainly within the, uh, the programme, because Nick's going to be talking about it as well after seven, and see what the latest situation is. Uh, more from the morning papers today. Uh, as Downton Abbey returns to the screen. Good, bad or indifferent? I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts on that. I'd love to hear what you think is the solution to Dale Farm, because hundreds of anarchists have turned out. They're just looking, I think, to cause trouble. I don't think the travellers want them there. In fact, uh, they probably, you know, at the moment, there's not much they can do about it. They've got enough to think about without having to worry about silly anarchists who are organising war meetings. I mean, they really are the lowest of the low, these people. And the traditional British fry-up is under threat from government health targets. 
Apparently, although it does look quite nice, actually. <laughs> it does look quite nice, doesn't it? Tomatoes and beans and mushrooms and eggs and toast and stuff like that. Uh, Steve, um, living with mum might be a northern thing, but at the age of 52, I live 400 yards from mum. My 24-year-old son lives halfway between us, and we all see each other almost every day. Almost all of my son's friends call me mum, uh, mum Tom, and I'm often invited to join them when they go out. I'm a teetotaler <laughs> with a seven-seater car and a sat-nav. Is that a coincidence? That's why, you see, because they want to be your friends so they can go out to the pubs and they can drink. Supposed to be snow in Scotland in three weeks' time, so it won't be long, says Sue. Oh, I love it. How love it. How nice could that be? A bit of snow in Scotland. Please say hello to my friend uh, Kirsten. Lives in London. I now live in Cardiff, says Karen. It's a bit of a way up. You have to sort of walk through his office to get to their so-called chapel of rest, which involves a very badly painted room with, with an open coffin in the middle. It was really... I mean, years and years ago, I used to work in a department store, and they had a... Um, they used to do funerals there, as indeed most, you know, department stores used to. There's a funeral di- director department. And, uh, and they had a lovely chapel, like a proper chapel. Proper, proper chapel. This one looks like it's just shoved out the back. But he's apparently very busy. But he's a very bad-tempered little funeral director. And his daughter, who is 17, he's trying to get the man who he brings in to do the embalming to teach her. And quite clearly, it's a bit traumatic for the poor girl. She's OK watching some of it. But the worst things are the PMs when they, they come in, which is the uh, the post-mortem cases, because he says you have to open them up and uh, so you can embalm them. And that, to be honest with you, I'm so glad they never showed you on the television. There are certain things you don't need to see, and that would be one of them. The more I listen to you, Steve, the more I enjoy your amusing cynicism. It's not cynicism. It's called honesty. It's a bit difficult to take, isn't it, really, if you come from, uh, from Tony Pandy. Uh, lots of... Apparently, if you want to get ahead at work... Never thought about this one before. If you want to get ahead at work, don't wear a skirt, wear a trouser suit, girls. Trouser suits are the way forward, and it's power dressing. Skirts give a better first impression. Um, It says here, but... Oh, no, strange. No, no, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Wear a skirt, not a trouser suit, to get ahead at work. God, dear, read it completely wrong. Women were considered more confident and more likely to earn a higher salary when wearing a skirt instead of trousers. Apparently, skirts give a better first impression and are more likely to lead to success in the workplace. I mean, it depends what you look like, innit, doesn't it, I suppose. There's no point, you know, if you're looking like you've got two sort of tree trunks for legs, you know, and a very short skirt, that's not going to create a very good impression. It's like, I mean, you know, you wouldn't expect me to come in here in a tight pair of lederhosen, much as uh, many people would probably want to see that. You would expect it. You wouldn't want to see it, I know. Even I, I mean, I, I would expect it privately at home, you know, but you don't want to you want to go out on the streets. As I say, it was it was when I was getting on the bus at Hounslow the other day, and this uh, man dressed as a woman in front of me, who looked like a man dressed as a woman. And of course, everybody turns around, and people are terribly polite, as opposed to you know turning around and going, "I'm sorry, are you a man?" Because it, it just it just looked odd. It was the way that he was standing. And it was everything else. But they, they offered this bus service yesterday because they're doing all this, this sort of maintenance on the railway. So, so when you eventually get down to the station and you discover you're on the train and I got the kid next to me on the train, eat, who was probably about five or six, but eating a packet of those um, sort of like cheesy puff kinds of things. And she's got it all over her face. She's got it on the seats. We've got it on the floor. And it was just a nightmare. It was just your... You know, who do you not want to be stuck next to? You don't want to be stuck next to kid eating these maize snacks. 
because by the time she'd finished, we were knee-deep in it. I was quite grateful to actually get off at, at Hounslow. Jamie Oliver is taking his campaign for healthier eating on a global level by urging the United Nations to help end the world obesity crisis. He's written to uh, Ban Ki-moon in an effort to make the UN put more pressure on governments to take action. Um, I have to agree with him that there are more people becoming diabetic. There are more people, as, as, as I say, having just won the chocolate in the Riverside raffle. Like, I mean, honestly, if there was a god, you know, he must be having good old laugh at my expense at the moment. But uh, all these obesity-related illnesses. We had the woman in the paper only a short while ago, didn't we, who wanted to be the fattest woman in the world. She thought it was great, so she's stuffing her face. Now she's changed her mind. I don't want to be the fattest woman in the world. We had a man who was diabetic and he was hugely overweight and he wanted an operation. And the NHS said, no, we're not going to give you an operation. Lose some weight. I can't lose weight. Well, learn. Don't be so lazy. Former policeman. Anyway, it turns out he, he, he goes to the law and, and a judge says, no, they have to give you the operation. I'm sorry if, if somebody is a, you know, if, if somebody has an illness and they become obese through that, f- fair enough. But if it's through stuffing food into your mouth, that's your problem. That's your problem. You have to start looking after yourself. You have to... St- so I'm, I'm with, with Jamie on that. But the first thing, Jamie, you've got to close down is all the, the late-night food places. Because people, <coughs> excuse me, stagger out of a, a pub. Where do they head for? Kebabs or chicken. And so you've got this proliferation of cheap chicken places which come in from Thailand and China and everywhere. It's all frozen. And it's really ghastly. And that's what people eat. They think it's great. And they're using cheap fat. They're using everything. And it's, it's just really bad. So those are the places you need to target the council for actually licensing these places in the first instance. Well, I think you do anyway. Uh, the good news is two cups of coffee a day can significantly reduce the risk of a stroke. So I was talking to someone the other day who was saying to me, I think actually it was Barbara's husband, Scott. And I think we were talking about how many cups of coffee a day he had. And I think he had, he might have had two or three. It might have been four, I can't remember. Whatever it is, it was, <coughs> I said, I thought that was okay. I know people who can drink 10 cups of coffee a day, and that's not good. But two can cut the risk of a stroke. So that's got to be good news, hasn't it? 6.15. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve. Bailiffs will begin clearing the country's largest illegal traveller's site in Essex this morning. Residents of Dale Farm say they'll resist the eviction without force. The business secretary, Vince Cable, is to outline plans to force firms to explain why they've paid huge bonuses to senior executives. Royal Mail is to recruit 18,000 temporary workers over Christmas. The FTSE... Their potential. Visit the international specialists at dhl.co.uk. DHL Express. Excellence. Simply delivered. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past six is the uh, the time. My mother, Helen Gockman, loves listening to your show, says Michael. And it's her birthday on Tuesday. Make a day if you wish. Oh, it's tomorrow, isn't it? What do I keep thinking today's Tuesday? We'll have to do it tomorrow now, won't we? That's two mentions for that. And actually, next Friday, which is the 23rd of September, David Drummond tells me there's a special event in Cecil Court which is just over the road. You have to go to Cecil Court. It's ever so funny. There's lots of nice little shops in there. Some of them are selling some Enid Blyton books. And David has got a shop that sells uh, theatrical memorabilia. And it's very nice. He says, My neighbour, Tim Briers, has established that the composer, wait for this, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, once, once lodged in rooms above a barber shop on a site next door, number nine, to my business, now occupied by Mark Sullivan Antiques. The landlords, Gascoigne Holdings, are supporting this sleuthery by funding a plaque in commemoration, which will be unveiled at one o'clock by Simon Callow, 
the original Amadeus at the National Theatre. They're going to have the London Mozart players. He's a, a frequenter of the bookshops at Cecil Court, I have to tell you. And uh, hopefully, says, choir boys from Westminster Abbey, plus various dignitaries. He says, by the way, should you ever be interested in dropping into one of our Maxwell evenings at the CAA, do let me know. The lovely David Drummond. So that's next Friday, the 23rd. So if you see a lot of people... Rent- Actually, I nearly got mown down, David, the other day. I was, uh, was browsing in your window, as I am prone to doing most mornings, and a cyclist whizzed straight through a woman on a bike, and I nearly shouted something very rude. There's a big sign-up saying, do not cycle through here. You know, I just wondered, maybe, maybe she didn't speak English, but it was, uh, I, sort of, I sort of stepped backwards as she sort of whizzed past. You know, you can feel the, the hair on the back of your neck going up a little bit. But I wish you well with that one. So let's say so 23rd of September, Friday, Cecil Court. If you've never been there, you should go. It's, it's well worth it. It's a little bit, it's got some lovely little shops, really lovely little shops, and it's uh, the kind of place that you would, uh, you would love. Uh, Alex says, just in case you want to know what the Racing Post headline means, I knew you'd know, the Arc is the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, Europe's richest horse race, run in Paris on Sunday the 2nd of October. Workforce won the race last year, and Moore, jockey Ryan Moore, injured in a fall at Goodwood, trying to be fit enough to ride Workforce again. Thank goodness for you and your sanity and able to sort it out for me, because I had no idea what they were talking about. I looked at it, and I, I, I keep saying to everybody upstairs, I'm still getting the racing post, you know, and I'm not quite sure why. I'm, I've obviously appeared on a list somewhere, and they go, that's all right, Steve Allen will, will take the racing post, but I've, I've got no idea at all what's going on. I really haven't, but thank you for explaining that to me. The pre-delight de triomphe Europe's Richard Horse. I have heard of that. I hadn't heard of Workforce, and I hadn't heard of the jockey either, but thank you very much indeed. Always nice to hear from you. 21 minutes past six, so don't forget the residents of uh, Dale Farm. Day of reckoning, already the reporters are down there, and the camera crews, and the film crews. Eight o'clock this morning, the council move in to evict them. There's lots of uh, riot police down there as well, plus the bailiffs. Nick Ferrari will bring you live updates from Essex. And we'll be speaking to one of the residents about the atmosphere within the site. Nick will also be bringing you up to the the latest from the Lib Dems conference. And speaking to the business secretary, Vincent Cable, ahead of his keynote speech later on today. And as another intruder is killed, Nick will be looking again at the meaning of reasonable force when it comes to defending your home. All of that and a full round of the day's newspapers this morning with Nick Ferrari from 7am. Uh, other stories in the papers. I, I mentioned about the, the two copy, copies uh, every day. Also, we've been hearing in the news that free parenting classes are going to be offered to those with children under five. Would you have benefited from that opportunity? Is it needed or just a waste of cash? So we've been hearing in the news that free parenting classes will be offered to those with children under five. Would you have benefited from the opportunity? Is it needed or is it just a terrible waste of money? 84850. LBC 973 or steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, we'd love to hear from you on, on that one as well. And any thoughts, I'm afraid, on, uh, on Dale Farm? What, what, what do you think the solution is to try and sort out the problem? I mean, they, they're going to move. Where to? I've got no idea. So uh, what, what would be your answer? Reasonable, of course. 84850steve@lbc.co.uk. Martin Clunes was talking the other day about going to boarding school, and he said the bullies there and the teachers made his life hell at the age of eight. Well, I went to boarding school as well. To be honest, I wasn't bullied at the age of eight, but I, w- I lived in fear of the teachers. You always did. I mean, we had a, a man called Mr... Cap- Isn't it funny how you remember things? You can't remember last Thursday, and yet go back to when you were nine years old. I think I was eight when I went to boarding school, same sort of age. And uh, because we and, and don't think it's because we were rich, it's because we were in the forces and we got it much cheaper. Nowadays, I was looking at... Um, 
schools, there was one school in particular, they did a feature in Country Life on uh, independent schools. And one of them, it was £26,000 a year. That's for a, a, a day person. And you suddenly realise how expensive some of these schools are. You know that you're going to get a fantastic education, uh, but you're going to pay for it in a big, big way. So Martin Clunes went to boarding school from the age of eight. I mean, I was lured there, it has to be said, under false pretenses, in an effort to sort of get me to go, because I wasn't over-keen. And I never know why my parents sent me in the first place. My mother used to cry like anything when I came back for the holidays and then cry when I left again. <laughs> Martin Clune said he cried all the way into the boarding school and all the way back out again. And his mother cried at the same time because it's, oh, my little boy. And he's sending them off. And my mum said to me, and my, my dad, don't worry, you'll like it there because they give you a cup of cocoa before you go to bed every night and an apple. No, they didn't. We never saw a cup of cocoa or an apple. I don't think I saw an apple in the, the entire time I was there. You had your tuck box and your mum would pack all sorts of things, but you, you ate all of that on the first night because you all had your tuck boxes with your names stenciled on the lid and there was a room where all the tuck boxes were kept and it was, it was like a big wooden travelling case. And to be honest with you, I can't remember what was in mine. Probably, probably sawdust, I should imagine, because I don't think we had very much. And when it was your birthday, if you were boarding at boarding school, because some kids did. You had day boarders, weekend boarders, and other things. Um, if it was your birthday, your parents had to send down some money, and they would go out and buy Arctic Roll, and everybody benefited. <laughs> so, if it was your birthday, you had to share Arctic Roll, even with those kids you never liked. You had to do things like that. And you had a birthday cake, and they all sung Happy Birthday. But all I remember is, every every day for breakfast, and I could... I can, Smell school now. And strange enough, it's made Martin Clunes very fearful. Every time he goes back into schools, there's a smell that goes with schools. I can't quite put my finger on it. But in R1, every morning for breakfast, haddock. Haddock. I came to loathe haddock with such a passion. The only time we enjoyed breakfast was at the weekends, where we actually had coffee as opposed to tea, and we got a bread roll. And we got cornflakes, and that was considered quite exciting. Nowadays, of course, that doesn't seem very exciting at all. But uh, strangely enough, everything that he talks about here, you know, he, he says there are horrid people at school trying to do things to you with a stick. I did get the cane. I did get the cane. I did go back to my little boarding school a short while ago. My golly, it looks small. You've noticed, you know, when you go there and you're little, it looks huge and you're very fearful. And that's the headmaster's office. And, uh, and then you go back years later and, you, and I, I drove down the little road that it's on and... Um, I parked the car and I walked a little bit up the drive. It was during um, holidays, so there was nobody about. And I looked at it, and I'll bring back memories. Because when it snowed, we used to turn the school benches, we had school benches, upside down, and we used them as sledges. And there was a sand pit. But the one thing we had, our playing fields were about a mile away. So you would walk to the playing fields in, in your kit... And, and when you came back, in the middle of winter, we used to play rugby in winter, when you came back, there were cold showers. And you couldn't... Your little hands went blue and red. You never told your parents any of this because they thought you were having a good education. It'll probably bring back uh, memories of Martin Clunes. When your little hands went blue and red and you couldn't do your top button up on your shirt because your hands were so cold. She'd be going there, <sighs> trying to warm your hands up a little bit. You know what you do now? You, go, <sighs> you see footballers sticking their hands down their shorts. You know, we, we didn't do that. We sort of put them on the radiators, but the radiators weren't on either. And the mattresses were like half an inch thick. Oh, terrible terrible it was it was bad worse than the workhouse but I, th I think it made people the way they are because martin's you know emerged the other side loads of other people emerged the other side but he said he said i was bundled off to school another thing you have no choice in as a child a year after my father died because my mother had been advised that if i stayed at home and grew up with her uh, and my sister i'd be gay <laughs> so i sent him off to a boarding school 
There you go. Downton was perfect last night, Steve. So many storylines set up for the future. Interesting. You see the girls handing out the white feathers to all the Downton Abbey staff who weren't going off to war. That was interesting. Uh, Lynn is having a, a blood test today, so it's a fast, I'm afraid. Actually, I'm all right with fasting, because if I'm, uh, if I'm having it on a, a day where I'm working like this, it's great. Because all I've got to do is manage to get home by eight o'clock, and, um, and I'm then fine. Then I can eat afterwards. She said, uh, I'm trying not to think about hot butter toast. Now, you've described a fry-up. Sorry about that. It doesn't help, does it? Although, just think, blood tests are so fast... You go in there, they take less than five minutes, and then you can rush home and, uh, and have your hot buttered toast. Uh, Maggie in Bromley uh, says, love listening to you. You've got tickets for The Mermaid, so coming to see you again. Pat Cooper's coming with me. Can we see you after the show? I should imagine so. And Gary in Chigwell, he says, I'm very excited. Well, you're in Chigwell, you should be excited. He said, I booked my two tickets for your show on the 3rd of December. My first time at one of your shows, I was always too late before. Yes. There is a show at the Mermaid Theatre. Details are on the Steve Allen Show website. There's not many seats left, I have to tell you. There's just a few, but uh, the team will be there. I have a horrible feeling Christo's going to turn up. I've just got this feeling that he's... Because he liked it so much last time, and he, he'll, he'll tell you he's lost weight since the last time. I'm hoping you'll think I've lost weight. So if you go to steveallenshow.com, then uh, there's a, a link on there to The Mermaid. Uh, one here, very quickly. This is from Kim, who says, I go out dressed as a woman at least three times a week, but being quite small and having size six feet, I don't have any trouble passing as a woman. Recently, my car broke down at a set of traffic lights and two strapping builders came to my aid. So they Unfortunately, this man dressed as a woman the other day was um, about six foot three with heels on. It took him up to about six six. But he quite clearly... I mean, I, I did walk behind two women the other day as I was coming back from the Ivy. And these poor girls were tottering on these heels, which were quite high. And it's an art form, work, walking in heels. So you can imagine, if you're a bloke and you happen to dress as a woman, if you're transgender or you're cross-dresser or you're transvestite or whatever you happen to be, um, and, and you put heels on, you've got to practice walking in them. Even Naomi Campbell's fallen off her shoes on numerous occasions, and you see these girls walking down the street, and they're literally, they're tottering about from side to side. It's a bit difficult, I'm afraid. A bit difficult. Tom in Dagenham says, why don't the travellers want to go home to Ireland? I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps we'll ask them this morning, because I think Nick will be talking to one. Right here on LBC 97.3, where the time is 6.30. From the LBC 97.3 News Centre, I'm Sam Pittis. Residents at a traveller's site in Essex who lost a legal fight over unauthorised development on the land have said they'll resist the eviction without force. Barriers have been put up ahead of a visit to Dale Farm by bailiffs... Shergard. Pack. Store. Breathe. 10% promotion applies to the rental fee of a storage unit valid for online reservations only. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Come to the conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, that having read her column for a little while, on odd sporadic occasions, Liz Jones writing for the Daily Mail is mad as a barrel load of mad things. Uh, first of all, we went through the, the marriage breakup, then we had the, uh, the facelift, and then uh, we've got now the fact that she wasn't allowed into the Victoria Beckham fashion show. And, uh, and she said none of the stuff was good anyway, it was all copied. And now she's been barred as well. <laughs> she turns up on Saturday to uh, Jonathan Saunders. I asked, she says, for my seating assignment, and she be told by an officious moo, we don't have enough space, and anyway, your request was not approved. She said, I left feeling like the most unpopular girl in school. So there you go. 
Poor old Liz Joan on London Fashion. I mean, you do get the impression that poor old Liz, it's she's getting balmier and balmier because at the end, having ranted about, you know, not being allowed in or not seeing anything, she says here, I was not able to see live a Jonathan Saunders show or the Tom Ford presentation on Sunday night. Well, who cares? If I'm persona non grata at their shows, they're barred from my columns. It's just, it's hilarious. It's so funny. It really is. But you do get the feeling that she is a woman living on the knife edge, I think. She's about to fall into the jam jar. (laughs) She's had it. Uh, Janet Street Porter, she does turn... I'm sorry with Janet Street Porter. I quite like her. Only quite... Not not huge fan, not huge fan. She's she's a little bit little bit mouthy for me. And on Country File, I wish they wouldn't put her on there. She sometimes comes up with very what I call inappropriate words. I mean, perhaps she's got a foul mouth. I don't know. I don't want to hear it on Country File. I mean, she's come up with a few words which I can't repeat on this program because it's a family show, and I don't use language like that anyway. Certainly not in uh, not in company. But uh, she's used a few, and I've thought, no, stop showing yourself up. Stop being silly. But she does talk, and I have to laugh every time I look at a picture of poor Amy Childs, because poor Amy, with sort of the bad hair, which was grown on the back of a yak, I think, or something like that, who spent the whole time in Big Brother with two big rollers in the front, who couldn't hold a conversation with, as I say, a dead raccoon. I mean, she has nothing to talk about at all. And because Janet moans about her in the column today, she's, uh, you know, whilst Peter Andre was tucking into this meal and Amy Charles was trying to drape herself over there to try and get some story in OK magazine that they're, they're an item, which they aren't, because, uh, let's face it, two people with nothing to say really is like going out with, with poor, poor Gavin, I'm afraid, uh, who's still ploughing on with his little programme but still got nothing to say. And as poor little Amy Charles tries to drape herself over... Um, Peter Andre, he's, he's ploughing through his food because it's a free meal and he's going for it. Amy, of course, doesn't do anything at all. She obviously shunned solids. But she says here, uh, she looks sulky. She says maybe that's the Chigwell version of sultry. And she tinkered with her wine glass, cleverly making instant rosé by pouring red wine into her glass of Sauvignon Blanc. How classy, says Janet Street Porter. She's a classy girl, isn't she, poor old Amy? Days numbered, I suspect, here. Uh, some people would definitely, says Jan, benefit from parenting classes. However, the parents that really need it couldn't be asked to get their lazy bottoms out of their armchair and away from the telly. <laughs> Alan says, Dale Farm, they cannot be protected by state laws as they live and operate outside of the law. They certainly seem to down there, don't they? They've had a number of uh, people, you know, they've either got homes back in Ireland or they're operating an illegal cigarette thing. And it's, it's as I say, we don't, I don't really care who they are. It makes no difference to me who they are. I really don't care. There could be people from outer Mongolia. If it's illegal to live there, it's illegal to live there. End of story. You can live in the first bit, can't live in the second bit. The only parents, Steve, that would take classes by choice are the ones that care about their children. That's Alan the Posty. Off this one. Actually, I was delighted to hear that the post office is going to be taking on thousands more people over Christmas. I still find that, I mean, we have a very good... We're, perhaps we're, we're just very lucky in Twickenham. We have a very, very good postal service. I mean, I think it's very good anyway. The postman's always very cheerful. You know, always very nice. The post always arrives on time. Some people seem to wait all day for their post. Ours is there by 11 o'clock. 11, 11.30. And, uh, and good for them for that. But at Christmas time, you know, when they've got, you know, they're deluged with Christmas cards and everything else, which incidentally you should be buying because uh, we're practically into the ho, 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 you know, the festive season. You know, I, I like you all to, to make sure, because we don't want to get there and then you start worrying about what you're going to buy me for Christmas because we've had this disaster before. You know, when people get to Christmas Eve and they go, oh, we've done Auntie Enid, we've done, oh, we forgot Steve Allen again. 
What are we going to buy? Oh, let's just put money in an envelope, which is always very useful and, and always an acceptable gift, I've always thought. You know, a little bit of money in an envelope. And then you could, I always th- um, whenever I've had money in envelopes before from, uh, from people over the years, you know, when they give you money for your birthday, it's very nice. But you think as you get a bit older, it lacks a certain bit of imagination. It's easy. I do it. I do it. Because, you know, I do it all the time. I can't help it. I mean, I do like doing it. I like popping some money in an envelope. If I'm sending money to the godchildren, you know, you have to work out how much you're supposed to send. And I don't know what you're supposed to send now. If it's a 16-year-old and it's a birthday, not Christmas, if it's a birthday, it's your goddaughter, would you think £20 would be acceptable? You see, I think £20, you can go and buy an outfit or you can do something. And then for Christmas, what would you spend? Would you spend 50 or 100? I don't know how much to spend. I'm not very good at things like that. My brother, it's easier. He gets stuff throughout the year and then he gets some money at Christmas because money for him is, is much easier. He's also coming to the show on the 3rd. So I'll probably have to give him money. He's coming. Yes. Yeah. You've not met him. Hope he's coming in disguise again. He, he goes out as Muriel. So it's... <laughs> Very easy to spot. Grey head and bald. Very easy. <laughs> grey hair down, but well, he's, he's got the grey hair round the outside. He looks a bit like a sort of a, an, an Asturian monk. No, nobody else will look like that at all in one of my shows. <laughs> we can only joke about things like this. So, in, in the news, you're hearing about the parenting classes. Do you think people would benefit from that opportunity? Often to those with children under five. Just the under fives. Is it needed? Or do you think it's another waste of money? Do let us know. 84850 steve at Um James in America says, concerning the homeowner who was arrested, I thought that David Cameron announced that people who protected their homes would no longer be subject to arrest. Well, the, the difference in this case is they have to, have to find out what happened. You can't just have somebody dead... And, and somebody, right, well, there's nobody going to be arrested. They have to find out exactly what happened. Was it self-defence? It, it apparently was the man's own knife that he fell on. But they have to investigate that. So, quite rightly, the man has to be arrested so they can sort it. And if only for, for the other people there. They want to know what, what goes on. Everybody watching Downton Abbey? Everybody liking it? I think a lot. Fiona in Sutton uh, says, talking of the benefits of coffee, Steve. I read that three cups a day can help to prevent Alzheimer's. So let's get percolating. God, does anybody percolate coffee anymore? Do they put... You remember that woman used to stand in the kitchen and go... And sort of make an impression... I can't do it, actually, now. Make an impression of a coffee percolator. We always used to have coffee percolators at home. Nowadays, you can go and buy all the coffee you buy. You can buy everything. Anything you buy on the high street, you can go and get the copy of in the supermarkets. So you can buy Starbucks coffee and sachets. You can have that rich aroma at home. You can buy uh, Pizza Express's pizzas. There's everything. It's all down the soups and all that kind of stuff. Nobody's managed to actually produce a ready meal of um, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding that actually tastes like roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. It always looks to me like an airline meal. Uh, have to say, Maggie Smith more than deserved her award, as did Kate Winslet for her performance in Mildred Pierce. Yes. Every, every, all her speeches, <laughs> poor girl, are so gushy, aren't they? They all do. It's just, I just have to say, it's, oh, she's so out of breath about the whole thing. I can understand, you know, that you do get, you know, a little bit overexcited, because there's a load of other people in the hall sitting there going, I hate you, I hate you to pieces. You know, because I thought my performance was very, very good indeed. But I always think Kate Winslet does performances on the television, very much like Richard Attenborough, when uh, when Dear Dickie used to get up to do a speech, you could practically pull yourself under the duvet, because once he gets going, he leaves no stone unturned, and he's, he's just one of those... I just wish, years ago, 
I'd actually managed to uh, get an interview with Richard Attenborough because he's just done so many good films and he's had so many good parts. And I see him quite a bit uh, down in Richmond. And you just... I feel like I can't go up to him and say anything. I feel a bit embarrassed because I want to take one of my films of his called The Guinea Pig down there and get him to sign it. But you just... I just I'd be walking down there. I might not see him all the time. So you don't want to walk around with it with a, a video, do you? Because it's not on DVD, much as I've tried to get it. Uh, Steve, by the way, uh, I'm with you about Noel's Christmas presents. Do you think the BBC could get it back and put it on over the three days, perhaps in hour-long segments? Oh, that would be lovely. I would happily go for that. Happily go for that. In a moment, should we, should we go after the... After the uh, oh, do you want to do it now? Should we talk to our reporter... Uh, who's Ashley Carroll, and uh, she's down. This is on the uh, the Dale Farm evictions today. Ashley, good morning. Hi, good morning. So, listen, I mean, I've, I've heard a rumour that they're going to start before 8 o'clock. Have you heard the same rumour or not? Uh, no, I actually haven't heard that rumour. I got down at the site at uh, 6 o'clock when it was still dark. Um, at the moment, the, um, I'm standing, actually, just opposite to where the bailers are due to come out, and over the weekend, the travellers and have actually put, started to put up a brick wall to try to stop the bailers from coming out. Also, at the front entrance to Dale Farm, it's been completely barricaded now, so they're obviously going to try and, you know, make this as, as difficult for the bailers as mm. possible. We've been told by Basildon Council it is due to start at eight, uh, but the, the world media is already here, just ready to see how peaceful this eviction is going to turn out. Yes, I mean, that, that, that was the thing that was worrying everybody, that the, the media turnout is vast. Oh, it's ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen so many people here. I mean, we've got all the kind of local and national TV stations, photographers, but there's also international media here as well. So it's obviously that this subject is, you know, it's not just reaching people in the UK, but worldwide as well. Right. So eight o'clock it starts. Is, is there a police presence there at the moment? Well, at the moment, I haven't seen any police here, but the um, Essex police have told us that their role is not to help the bailiffs the eviction, but really their role is to ensure that no breaches of, of peace are made and to make sure everyone stays safe. So, yeah, there's no one here at the moment, but that kind of then hopefully gives the indication that the bailiffs aren't going to start any earlier than planned. Mm. I mean, it, it seems to me that there are people intent on uh, causing disruption down there. They turn up to a lot of these sort of places. They're almost like an organised little army, I think. Well, yes, I came down to the site on Friday, actually, and... Um, there were quite a lot of supporters. Over the weekend, I've heard that the numbers of supporters have tripled. At the moment, it's very quiet. I'm assuming everyone's behind the, the barricades they've put up to the entrance. Um, we can't hear a thing. I was kind of imagining that we would maybe see some of the um, supporters or at least hear them. Mm. But at the moment, it is very peaceful. They've always stressed that this will be done as peacefully as possible. But what was interesting last night is I spoke to Basildon Council and they were due to have a meeting with representatives of the travellers. That meeting was called off and apparently the protesters have told the representatives of the travellers for some unknown reason that they were no longer welcome at the camp. Now since then I've managed to get hold of one of the um, of the protesters who said that this is this is not the case and that really they wanted the meeting to be held um, outside of Dale Farm. But this meeting last night was very significant because it was going to explain to the representatives of the travellers just how the bailiffs were going to go about clearing the mm. site and really just to reassure, you know, that this is going to be done in a peaceful and safe way. But now that this meeting hasn't been held, Basildon Council is saying that they now have no line of communication with the travellers and therefore they are concerned that tensions are going to be increased from this. 
Ashley, thank you very much indeed for that. We're going to follow that story. It's Ashley Carroll, our reporter down there in Essex. She's actually at Dale Farm. No police presence as yet, but uh, we'll wait and see. You'll hear it first on LBC. A little bit late to the news, but uh, we had to do that. 13 minutes to seven. With the headline, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Residents of the UK's largest illegal traveller's site in Essex say they'll resist eviction without force as bailiffs move in to clear the site. Firms who've paid huge bonuses to senior executives will have to explain why under plans to be outlined by the business secretary, Vince Cable. And Royal Mail is to take on 18,000 temporary workers over Christmas. The foot seat will open after closing up 30 points at 53.68 and London's weather. Dry for much of the day, some sunny spells through the morning. Cloud increasing during the afternoon, some light... 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 10 to 7 is uh, the time. Do you remember Kellis? Kellis, who was in the papers the other week, uh, she's returned to Britain to take part in London Fashion Week. Uh, so, Liz Jones, don't don't bother going, you'll never get in. But um, she's, she's back in the country. I'm surprised, actually, after what, what she said about us. But, uh, strangely enough, do you remember she claimed she was abused by a fat, red-faced Briton? She's changed the story. She now says it happened in Spain. It didn't happen here at all. It was... It was a British person in Spain. Well, she assumes it was a British person. I mean, for goodness sake, how you can tell these things, I've got no idea. But it happened in Spain, so uh, for that we were all condemned. But, uh, but she's come back again, which is good news. Peter Andre uh, says, to nobody in particular, perhaps just to Amy Charles, that uh, he'd love one of his books to be turned into a cartoon. Of course you would. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Uh, Talisa talking about her mum, which is quite nice. And, um, as I say, the house prices which are rising. The good news is £100 a week they're going up. Not a lot, but it's better than nothing, isn't it? Better than nothing. Uh, Steve, Dale Farm, uphold the law. That's the only solution. Yes, I mean, I think the word is in illegal. (laughs) You know, it's illegal. We don't care who they are. You can live in a tent. I don't care. It's illegal to live there, Okay. Uh, Dave says, I was sent away to boarding school at five years. A little school on the slopes of Mount uh, Kenya. Sounds wonderful. Very nice. Five. Good Lord, that seems a little bit young, actually. Tom in Morden, give parents cooking classes. See how many fast food places close. Well, I mean, you know, they do change hands a lot, the fast food places. It's, um, it's cheap food. And it's purely for people who've been drinking. Because if you were sober, you wouldn't go anywhere near these places. Even I struggle to walk round here and find someone to have breakfast in the morning. I really do. Although I am going for breakfast this morning. Uh, Steve, this is from Jan. I give or spend more money on birthdays than Christmas. 20 is enough for Christmas. They'll no doubt get other money, which they can put together and get something they really want. You think 20 for a 16-year-old for Christmas is okay? You think so? Keith says £20 for an outfit for the godchild. What sort of outfit? Puncture puncture repair outfit. You've quite clearly not been out and shopped for girls' clothes. You can get clothes for £20. Have you been to Primark? Good grief, man. Heavens above. Keith, Keith, Keith. These things... I mean, even in Topshop, you get an outfit for 20 quid. Easy. Steve, I went to see the Commonwealth Institute as part of Open House Weekend. Quite sad to see how such a beautiful building has been left empty for 10 years. It'll now become the home of the Design Museum in 2014. But they'll be making extensive changes to the building, and I hope for the best, says Pearl. Yes, I mean, I didn't do Open House Weekend this weekend. I wish I had done. Loads of people I spoke to did it and, and loved it. And we plugged it very heavily on LBC because I thought it was just a great, a great thing to do. If you've never done it, you, should, you must make a mental note in your diary for next year because it's absolutely fantastic to get to go into buildings that normally you would not be allowed in, like the Foreign Office, like a lot of the, uh, the buildings up and down Whitehall. You know, a lot, of, a lot of government buildings that you probably drive past every day and you don't even think 
about what's going on inside there. With this one, you can walk the corridors. It's quite, it's quite an exciting thing. There is already Sure Start and Home Start to help with parenting, says Donna. How about helping the parents with older kids and getting them work when times are real tough out there? Once kids hit 18, they wipe their hands, but their maturity levels are lower these days. They don't seem to have too much get up and go, do they? They don't seem to want to go out there and, um, and sort of do all the things that we do. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I couldn't wait to actually uh, sort of leave school and start working. I, I looked on it as a heck, heck of a bonus to actually be out there working. Nowadays, they don't, they don't really want to get up, but they make them into television programmes, so they become, in inverted commas, celebrities. And when they become a celebrity, they seriously believe that, that is, that's it for the rest of their life, that they're going to be trading on their, their fame and their fortune, which, of course, is very limited... It's a bit like watching The X Factor. They put on so many bad singers that when you get somebody who's, who's average on there, they go crackers, the crowd, because they've seen so much rubbish. And so many people who just obviously go on there to be on the television and have a bit of a laugh because most of them are dreadfully unrehearsed. If I see another naff boy band, I think I'm going to throw the television through the window because they go, I was And they do it. There's a lot of this. And they sort of get down. They all pretend they're singing. Whereas, in fact, most of them haven't got the faintest idea about singing. But it's entertaining to watch. It's entertaining to watch. Um, Favourite stars from the Anyways Essex, Lauren Poppy and Joey Essex, could face court action over adverts on their Twitter messages. They've been told before to stop plugging things. And Lauren Poppy, of course... I mean, nobody knows who she is. She's apparently a glamour model. Well, I'm looking at the picture here. My God, they've obviously taken standards a little bit lower than they have. But she's uh, she's, uh, plugging a car place. And only because she's been given a free car. So she's plugging it, that's why. And little Joey Essex, a worry to most people, I'm afraid, has started plugging Marmite. I mean, it really is the oddest thing, but I suppose, you know, better that than sort of saying, Joey, you know, do you want fries with that? And um, like something from the salad bar over here? Because that's where it's going to end up. There is, there is no... Have you ever been to a harvester before? You can eat as much as you like from the salad bar, but I'd just stack your plate properly. But uh, there is no, no career for poor little Joey Essex, a peculiar child at the best of times. And poor Lauren Poppy, she already had one career. Faded now, faded, disappeared. Uh, more on Big Brother, which apparently is still going on. I don't know how, I must have, I must have missed this one, I'm afraid. And, um, and they've got the civil servants given extra paid holidays to attend a boozy sports day just hours after their unions voted for a strike. And they've got a lot of pictures of a, a team of ladies dressed up as Smurfs. Because I don't know about you, but we, we, we do get in Leicester Square, quite a lot of the time, hen and stag nights. More hen nights, because you can spot the hen nights. Because there's always one with a learner plate on her back. Although, to be honest with you, I've, I've had a look at them. They don't look like they're learners at all, I'm afraid. Because they've been around the block quite a few times. They've, sort of, they've done the whole Grand Prix circuit, let me tell you. But they all sort of trail from bar to bar, and they just get more and more drunk, and then they sort of behave bad. I mean, one of them, I saw one, they were all dressed as fairies, and one of them had a wand at the front, and it just looked a bit sad. I thought, I don't know why people don't go, bro- why do you want to come to Leicester Square? You know, there's not that many bars around Leicester Square. Eight, uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. I had a story about uh, Bruce Forsyth, and I can't remember what the Dickens it was now. It was quite a good story, actually, quite a good story. But um, Colin says, after the recent riots, the authorities cannot give one inch in dealing with those on the Dale Farm camp. If anyone insists and inside the camp throws so much as a single brick, then uh, I think the Paris or the Marines should be sent in. Well, that that'll be it. I don't think it'll be the travellers who throw anything. I think it'll be the agitators. It will be the people down there who are intent. If you only got to say the word, the police are coming down there, and these little numpties trek down there like little sheep, one after the other. They don't do anything. They don't have any purpose in life. They're just against the establishment. And if they're against the establishment, they'll be the ones helping to build brick walls and do the rest of it. But we will follow it on LBC. 
You will hear it first of all. If anything's going to uh, to happen, you'll hear it first here. Uh, the rogue trader, this is uh, Kweku Ababoli, gambled a whopping six point three billion. They say six point three billion. Can't believe it. Listen, uh, just about it for today. Back with you tomorrow. Nick and the team. After seven, business update now, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 30 points at 53.68. A union's calling for a substantial increase in the minimum wage next year. Unison says it fears attempts by business groups to prevent a rise will throw millions into poverty. The government's beginning a consultation to move the post office into mutual ownership. Sub-postmasters, customers and communities could be given a say in how the post...